Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is Mike Abadir, of course, your host. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Calendar keeps moving along as we approach NFL openers, college openers, and the heart of the MLB season. We got the Women's World Cup. As always, plenty of sports stuff to talk about. And right before the show started, like literally seconds into it, you know, Pop was telling me about a couple of things that he was talking about on uh, his earlier shows. And it kind of spurred a thought with me, which is I'm going to make a declaration and I'm going to give you the reasons why. Pop, I think, I think California is just not a very good sports state. Yeah, that's a really, really big generalization. But especially when you consider, which is ironic because when you consider how many athletes come from California, it's like teams moving around all the time. Like you don't see that like in other states, their mainstays. Like Kansas City Chiefs would never move. You know what I mean? We hear, like, just even recently, Chargers moved and Raiders have moved. The A's are going to move and the Warriors go across the bay and the 49ers, uh, you know, go to Santa Clara. They're not even in San Francisco. You know, they get rid of Hollywood Park. They get rid of, they're going to get rid of Golden Gate Fields, on and on and on. It's like, you know, even, even like the Angels, they'll tinker with their name, LA Angels, Los Angeles Angels, because they're trying to get it right because nothing's really working i just don't think we're a great sports state maybe it's because there's a lot more going on here that people don't have to be you know like as supportive necessarily of their local sports i don't know what do you think pop am i being harsh am i being harsh to say california is just not a great pro sports state Uh, no you're not being harsh you're being honest it's be it's okay it's all right. We're we're not a small town, you know. We're not small. We're not a state full of small cities that don't have a lot to do and things like that. We're the type of uh, place where, hey, you know what? The kids would rather go play the basketball game than sit around and watch the basketball game. The kids rather play the baseball game than watch the baseball game. The kids would rather play the football game than watch the football game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and. It might not even be their favorite thing to do when they get home to sit down and watch NFL Sundays and things like that. When I was in high school on Sundays, we weren't brouhaha. It, it's huddled around the TV. We knew who the players were. We knew who, who all the right people were. But, you know, we were we were only worried about the usual suspects, guys like Elway and Marino and Steve Young and Jerry Rice and all the guys that they talk about on TV. You know, all these meat and potato people that get fame now because everything's so spotlight, everything's so ridiculed and spotlighted. Oh, yeah, that that's cool. 
because in today's sports world, that's kind of how it goes. But it's okay to do things outside of the sports realm. But at the same time, too, you have to be a consistent winner and you have to have better ownership groups as well, too. We have to understand that we have some of the greediest owners that have ever been a part of pro sports in the state of California. And that's just really true. Let's give great example. Frank McCourt. Frank McCourt was literally using the Dodgers payroll to finance his billion billionaire lifestyle. You're not supposed to do that. You know what I mean? And pretty much that was just awful. Artie Moreno literally uses the Angels as a bragging piece, you know, and overspends on players that pretty much that you shouldn't overspend on. You know, the in Spanos, you know, you know how he is. Oh, cheapskate! He could have stayed in San Diego. They would have gave him everything he wanted, but he had to meet them in the middle. He did not want to meet them in the middle. He had plenty of private funders that were willing to help him build a stadium down in San Diego, and whatever was left over, the the city of San Diego would have uh, uh, footed the bill for it. They just didn't want to foot the entire bill. That's the whole thing. So he literally got impatient. So that's wrong on him. Mark Davis is a clown. And pretty much he got laughed at when he tried to come down here to L.A. when he said that, you know, I could do it by myself. But Magic said that you're going to need my help. And he said, no, no, we can do it on our own. No, you're going to need my help. Oh, we can do it on our own. Okay, now you're in Ve- now you're stuck in Vegas and your your franchise is losing value by the by the year now. Literally by the game. You're not going to be able to keep selling uh, this Tony Bennett idea of come watch the Raiders on Sunday in Vegas at their new stadium, the Death Star. Yeah, it's not going to keep selling, dude. Sorry. You know, you're not going to get a sellout when the Jaguars come to town. You're not getting a sellout when the um, uh, what other mediocre team never gets sellouts when they come to town. Yeah. I would say possibly the Jackson. Did I say Jacksonville already? Yeah, I said Jacksonville. Yeah, even even like even teams that are good, like Tennessee Titans, like you know right. that's not necessarily like nobody looks at the calendar like, hey man, I'm going to go to Vegas for that Titans Raiders matchup. Like you're totally right. Somebody told me some BS about oh it's a tourist thing. People can just come out for the weekend. I said, do you understand how expensive Vegas has got? Um, not no. not that, I'm not a town person. I'm not going to Vegas for a game. Forget that. Yeah, I'm but, not coming. Not, but in addition, I'd like to look at the numbers, and they could figure it out based on the airports. How many people that are tourists are actually not from the U.S.? Like it's a global destination. Like you have people coming over from China and from the Middle East and from all Europe and South America, Latin America. Those people don't give a rat's ass about American football. So I'd love to know, yeah, it's a big tourist destination, but what percentage of the tourism is domestic? What percentage is international? I'd say probably half of it's got to be international, wouldn't you say? Right, and I feel like they're trying to to shade the word now. They ch- they say tourists. I like to say gamblers because literally going to Las Vegas is about gambling. If you want to go be entertained by stuff and go do you know extracurricular stuff, Vegas ain't the place to go to. If you want to go gamble, have a good time, and have a big ha ha funny situation, that's Vegas for you. But if you want to go look at stuff and go have a really good time, go to Florida. You can come to L.A. 
But Vegas is not the place to be a tourist. I'm sorry. It's just not. You're a gambler. You go gamble. You know, all that tourism, eating, all that stuff, it really runs its course after six hours. If you're not out there gambling and making making it to where the hotel, the casino hotel wants to be your friend, then you're just out there just lollygagging, in my opinion. And literally, you know, we'll have these gung-ho football fans coming out there, but they're going out there to go gamble too, Mike. And, you know, going and watching the Raider game, that's going to be awesome to go see their team, all that good stuff, go experience the city. But they're coming out there for a reason, and they're coming out there to gamble as well, too. So, you know, that's that's where we have our biggest discrepancies at with Vegas. It's like, how is this going to work, man? Because we're already getting got guys are already getting caught gambling on games as is. And, you know, we're one big scandal away in Las Vegas to where the league is going to have to put itself in check. So this is where it's like we're you're, you're really walking a slippery slope right now with the whole situation out in Vegas, period, point blank. And this is coming from a handicapper bookie person who's been involved in all all facets of sports betting, lived in Las Vegas, all that good stuff. But I know how that city works, and I know that people get undisciplined in that city as well, too. Well, I, I, look, you make a lot of good points. I think you're coming at it also from a gambler's perspective. You know, I understand because I've got some family members, you know, uh, different parts of the country and even overseas and for them, they've never seen anything like it with all the, the lights and the grandioso hotels. Uh, they're actually more into that than the shows necessarily, the entertainment stuff. But it's like the buffets. It's like everything about it is like something to behold, something to see, something to experience for a lot of these people. But whether it's your definition or whether it's kind of the examples that I was talking about for the ones that aren't really pure gamblers, either way, Guess what we never mentioned? Going to a Raider game. Like, that's not a part of the right. equation, regardless of, of what kind of person you are and what you're going there for. The Raider, a Raider game is not a part of it. I can't see that the A's would be a part of it. I know we've talked about this a lot. It just, what I don't understand is, if you and I can see that, how is it that the billionaires do not? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's got to be arrogance or something. I don't know. Like, our product is so good. Everybody's going to love it and consume it. I will say one more thing, Pop. So to go on top of my critique of California not being a great sports state, I'm going to throw out another one that seems maybe slightly outrageous. But if you think it through, if the NFL played five days a week, Games, like every team plays five games a week. And baseball played once a week. So think about that. There's only one game a week at Dodger Stadium. Sometimes they're on the road. So it might be every two weeks you get a Dodger home game, just like an NFL. If baseball followed an NFL schedule, fantasy baseball would be much bigger. Fantasy gambling would be much bigger. And the ratings would look more like the NFL ratings do right now. Baseball would be king. And the NFL, if they matched baseball schedule, they would have the same ratings as baseball. I guess what I'm trying to say is the popularity of the sports, a lot of it depends on the structure and the frequency of games and things like that. 
You see what I'm saying? Like if it was a once a week sport, you know, there would be like a 10 year waiting list for Red Sox season tickets. If it was a once a week sport, you know what I mean? So I guess the point that I'm getting at is, um, I don't want to say that the NFL is necessarily overrated. It's more like you just got to take it in context because if the sport in, in football was just that, that dominant, you know, the hack of SDSU games, San Diego State games, you know, that's still the same sport. How come they're not that popular? You know, how come there's pockets of the U.S. where college football don't mean a thing? And by the way, that's another thing about California. College sports don't mean jack. Again, we're not a great sports state here in California. College, college football, college baseball, college basketball. You know, n- nobody is that passionate about their college sports in California. Maybe with the exception of, you know, the UCLA basketball's got their fans, USC football's got their fans. But, man, we got a lot of colleges here, you know. USF, USD, you know, San Francisco State, Cal, you know, Cal Berkeley and Stanford and up and down the state, there are a lot of schools. But I haven't mentioned a lot of teams that are super popular, which also goes to the California thing. What are your thoughts about my comment that, if baseball was a once a week sport, if they flipped schedules to the NFL, the baseball would be back to being king again. King again. What are your thoughts? If they don't, if they were keep covering baseball the way that they cover baseball now, it, it would just be a sport that gets played once a week. It'd be like watching golf on Sunday. You know what I mean? And it will probably be only get excited by Yankees and Red Sox. So I don't know. I think that it's. But wouldn't it be covered differently? Yeah, they would have to. They would have to just as intense as they are with the NFL. The the biggest reason why the NFL succeeds is because the coverage of the NFL. Like literally, they cover the NFL at least eight hours out of every single day, even when they're nowhere near playing an NFL game. They're covering everything, and then they're going to cover the draft. They're going to cover the uh, what time Bill Belichick farted. They're going to cut. They're going to cover everything. Adam Schefter has a has a has an answer to everything in the NFL every single 30 minutes because that's how how addicted their fan base is. But that's because they made them addicted to it by dropping just any any type of nonsense that they can drop. Some days I even say to myself, all right, NFL, let somebody else get some shine for a day. You know, what I mean, because, yeah, you're a great sport, but you're very overrated at the same time, too. Because let's keep it real. When you're sitting down there on a Sunday watching a game, you're not intensely watching the game like you're some uh, you're some scout or something of that nature, Mike. You know you're watching. You know you're missing four or five, six, seven plays at a time. And then, hey, it's in the red zone. Oh, now I'm paying attention. Right. And that's that's how it goes. When we watch, well, baseball, or, or you're just paying attention to your fantasy guys. You know, like the guys that you have on your fantasy team, you know, and if there's a game that doesn't involve them, you might not be that interested, right? Right. But a fantasy guy, a fantasy guy most times isn't watching a game. The fantasy guy is watching his phone and watching the scoreboard of the said fantasy matchup and checking in on it every five, 10 minutes, seeing if his guy has scored a point because they're not going to be up there with 17 TVs in front of them trying to, uh, 
be you you don't want to stress yourself out trying to tell the coach because you don't you can't control the coach's brain you can't control the player's brain what you're doing is, is the key word you're fantasizing that they'll be able to do this and if they do great if they don't a you know what? You're probably going to be in the loss column of your league. But at the end of the day, though, this is just all entertainment. And I just really feel that when when it comes down to it, baseball could be king if you cover baseball the way that you used to cover baseball. When I used to, was a kid, they covered baseball the same way they cover fo- football today. And that's like – I. It, and everybody knows that. Literally, if they when they covered football, the, everything with football used to be they covered it, but it used to always be real quick because they know there's only so much to talk about. But now, since the game is more high scoring and there's more personalities and things like that, they have more to talk about. With baseball, they had all the personalities, they had all the tradition, they had all the stories, and they were the ones that showed everybody how to do sports business the correct way. That's why baseball still can go ahead and use its model and be fine with it. And you see the NBA and the NFL always trying to evolve something because they just keep getting greedier and greedier. Baseball is pretty comfortable with the amount of money that they've made off of advertisements, off of TV, off of all that stuff, because they've been doing it for hundreds of years. The NBA and uh, the NFL have only been doing it for 30, 30, 40 years, and it's just their turn right now. That's all it is. But I really do feel like baseball is making a slow return to the top because people are sick and tired of the diva stuff, man. And it's too much of it in the NFL and the NBA. Uh, You're 100% right. And keep in mind something about baseball. There are countries around the world where baseball does reign number one. You know, you can't say that about the NFL. You know, but you could look at, like, Japan and and Dominican Republic and so many countries you could name where, where baseball is the number one sport. When you go outside, you see kids playing baseball. It doesn't matter if they've got a stick you know, in a yarn ball or, or what. And the only other sport that's like that is, is soccer, you know, globally speaking. You know, I think there's some pockets that like basketball like that, but there's nowhere around the world where they're playing football, pick up football. And I'm not trying to bash on, on the NFL or on football because, you know, that's a big source of my income, you know, uh, but I'm also trying to be very realistic about what's what's going on. And uh, you were talking about the coverage, and we'll talk more about it after the break here. But when you're talking about the coverage of baseball and how it once was, how it now is, and how the NFL coverage is, the NFL coverage, a lot of it has to do with the buildup, right? And it's kind of a right. beautiful thing. You know, there's, it's kind of a beautiful thing building up to Sunday, Right. So, like, you know, Monday, you're going over Sunday's results and the game that's coming up on Monday night. Tuesday, you're going over the injuries and what went wrong on Sunday. Wednesday, update on the injuries and what we can look forward to next Sunday. And then you got your game on Thursday. And then you have this whole buildup over the weekend, right? And so they take full advantage of that structure. Um, let's comment more about it after the quick timeout pop. And we'll, we'll talk more about this and, and delve in a little bit more specifically into the given sports at hand. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the second segment of the Mike Abadir Show, featuring Pop DiBiase. And we were just talking about coverage of baseball, coverage of football, what sport would be king if you reverse the schedule roles that each plays in the American uh, mainstream consciousness, if you will. There's another aspect to this as well. And when you kind of take a step back from sports pop, you always hear about how, uh, especially the younger people, but that American society is more about, you know, Faster pace, less attention span. And you hear it so much that everybody kind of almost takes it as fact. You know, it's almost like a very subtle brainwashing. But when you think about it, who does it benefit for everybody to to subscribe to this notion? Oh, yeah, I guess we are fast-paced and we have less attention span. Like, who does that benefit? It benefits... The corporations, right? How right. About, it, how about how about uh, fast food, right? That's a brainchild of this concept. So they benefit. Yeah, yeah. Let's make everybody think it. That way, they they think. Oh, they don't have time to cook. Go to the drive-through, right? Uh, how about technology, right? Yeah, people need the answer in their hands uh, immediately. Internet, 
cell phones, smartphones, right? And so the NFL has done a good job in piggybacking on that notion because they're also a big corporation. And I could keep going on and on with examples of corporations benefiting from this idea, this brainwashing that we all have this limited attention span. Because I kind of say, why? Why does mankind all of a sudden have this limited attention span? Like nothing changed in our fabric or DNA. No, it's because you have corporate America telling us that all the time that we've kind of adopted it as it must be a real thing. And we've subscribed to that notion subconsciously so much that we've made it become a self-fulfilling prophecy that we do have short attention spans and all that kind of stuff. And we do need to get the answers immediately. It's like, hell, how did we survive way back in the day? You know, without all this stuff, like it's almost hard to imagine it. That's how much they've brainwashed us into thinking that it's reality. So NFL steps in and is like, you know what? Let's give everybody a bite-sized piece of the most exciting part of the games in this channel called the Red Zone, which you mentioned earlier, right? Now we're giving them, for the short attention span people who are I'm going to watch all the plays. Like you said, they're going to miss seven, eight plays at a time, et cetera. Let's just give them the nuts of these games in little morsels along the way. And that will collectively add up to a three-hour time span where they basically absorb the key pieces of the game. But again, that's not fandom. That's a different type of interest level. And it's catered to fantasy sports. So the NFL has done a really good job in terms of let's go with this flow and ride the wave of short attention span. What say you, Pop? Right, because they took advantage of the one part that we all used to wait for. Because, you know, Mike, I know both of us growing up is uh, growing up in the 90s watching the NFL on NBC, on Fox, on CBS, and all that good stuff, we would get the game that they would situate for us. It would be what they mm-hmm. call the NFL game of the week. And if right. you got a game, that's usually your team because I'm I'm figuring we're on the west, we're all on the west coast. So if you we usually used to get the after we 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 got the morning game, but the morning game would be whatever game was like the top teams or whatever got chosen for our market. Then the next game would be our local teams. You know what I mean? So if it's Mike, it would would have been the Niners. And if it's me, it would be the Rams and the Raiders back in the 90s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then yep. left L.A., we still got the Raiders. You know what I mean? You still got the Raiders and you still got the Rams because that's who was distinctive for, like, the first five years. And then they started letting San- – then they started bumping San Diego up here because they realized that's more Southern California market. But they weren't a, a, a very viable team. So pretty much what we used to wait for was Greg Gumble or whoever was in that booth to give us the the the, the highlight of – of another game that's going on that we might be more into. So Mike said he's a Dolphins fan growing up. And so Mike's looking for the Dolphins uh, highlight uh, with Marino, even though the Dolphins did get a lot of time on NBA, NFL, on NBC. Let's keep it real. They did. They used to be, uh, they used to be at least on your TV at least once or twice a month um, in California. That's where all of yep. those items. And so pretty much because they were a Monday night football team too as well. Cause there used right. to be, 
that were right that were were primetime teams raiders were one of them and the browns were one of them as well too because of your fan bases and things of that nature and your tradition but we all used to wait for those highlights within the game that we were already watching and so pretty much they know that a lot of us were always waiting for that. These spoiled fans don't even know. They wouldn't even scroll the scores until they felt like it. Literally, you would sit up there. They wouldn't scroll the scores until the end or halfway through the quarter. And it was real quick. You, you just couldn't just sit up there and they would run, run a, a roller. No, they're going to have a little segment and be like, okay, here goes today's games. And you got about 20 seconds to see what's going on with those scores. And you don't get stats. You don't get anything. And so as that kept evolving more and more and more, and then they started doing the live look-ins, they saw how popular it was when they had a game, their early morning game, and then they could cut to a game that's even closer. Or that early morning game ends kind of early, and then they can cut to the really, really close game that's that's on the same network. And when they realized how 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 easy they could do that once they figured out the studies with uh with Sunday Ticket with uh, DirecTV, where people say, yeah, I'm always changing the games. I'm always changing the game every two minutes. And so they said to themselves, huh, whenever we get into the red zone, we need to change the game to the red zone. We don't need to sit here dealing with a game where a guy's scratching his butt and they're at the, at the at their own 22. No, let's go to the game where they're at the five and the game's tied and it's a big deal. And it literally changed the whole structure of a sport and has made this sport the number one sport because you can get to it direct. And people don't even understand this. If we're really loving sports betting, your favorite sport should be horse racing because it's over 90 seconds. Every race. Every race, Mike. 90 seconds. 90 seconds you can become a millionaire. It's not going to take you that, not, that should be the ultimate um th that should be the ultimate short attention span sport. Right, because if you really sports betting, we all should be betting horses on a daily basis. We should be having so much money on the horse racing handles, it's not even funny. And I said, well, at least in New York they get it. You know what I mean? And so pretty much I said, the only thing you did in New York when you legalized sports betting in New York is all you did was make it easier for the horse bettors to go to a place to make their bet instead of having to run over to Belmont, Aqueduct, or Saratoga or whatever off-track uh, betting that they have to go to. That's right. all sports betting did in New York was just literally revive the horse game in New York. That's it because it's a short, it's a quick ninety seconds, dude. If I put twenty across the board, I got a five to one, and he comes in and and takes care of me like that. It's way better than sitting around for three hours and hoping this dude hits hits a field goal at the end of the night. Think about that, Mike. Right. I just sat there for three hours and seen him blow a three touchdown lead. Now they got the opportunity to win by a field goal, and I'm sitting over here sweating it out. Right. You know what I mean? And all it takes is 90 seconds for me to, uh, for us to figure out how we, if, are we going to get paid or not? I'm sitting over here. They didn't sit, they didn't gave me and took the money from me 15 times in the NFL game. 
NBA game, MLB game. So, you know, when you look at it in that perspective as a better, that's why these what I call pastime sports still are king to us. But for these fast, you know, um, attention deficit sports, oh, yeah, we can talk a bunch of trash. We can have a bunch of videos. We can goof off all day because we're not even being serious about this half the time. You know what I mean? Literally, the only time I feel like we're being serious about football is when we get to the Super Bowl now. Everything has to be a joke. Everything has to be a may-may, and everything has to be a sad story. And it's getting tired, Mike. All it is is a game. That's it. Is to stop putting so many extras on it. You know what I mean? I don't care about the Kelsey brothers and, and, and them being close. There's plenty of guys who are brothers in the NFL. What makes them what, – what, 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 what sets them apart? Yeah, they're pretty good. But there's other guys that are pretty good as well, too, that never get any any attention. So, you know, yeah. I don't care about any of that stuff. You're not a quarterback. You're not a, a wide receiver. You're not a running back. You guys just highlight anybody now because they got a story. No, that's boring to me. That's you. You're hogging up all the time. And it's getting and it, you're, you're, you're You're killing your sport. Nobody knows this, but the NFL is slowly killing itself. And right. I hate to say it because everything looks great right now. But as greedy as the NFL keeps getting, it's 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 a uh, okay. I gotta blow the whistle on this. It's coming because when they said okay, now you gotta pay fourteen ninety nine if you don't already have um, NFL Red Zone and NFL Network. I said, luckily enough, I got cable and I don't have that problem because I got the little and I had to pay extra for the NFL red zone package. And they know that people who have cable had to pay a little bit extra for a red zone because they gave it to us for free for a while. Now we had to pay an extra little five bucks for it. Oh, you can still have your NFL network, but you're not going to get that red zone because this is pay-per-view. They figured out it just can't be a part of a sports package. You got to pay exclusive for this. And I said, the more and more you keep putting prices on things, the more and more you start uh, you start pushing away your audience. You know what I mean? You can't just say, okay, everything's stream. Okay, we're going to charge you 20 bucks. Because now you're taking the boxing model, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to make everything a paywall in the NFL because they only want it because it's free. And when it's not free, they're not going to care because that's how it is with team sports. With an individual sport, you can do the pay-per-view route. But in team sports, it has to be something that can be presented to the people for no cost if they're not at the game. So pretty much, you know, the NFL has to watch itself. It has to dial some of this stuff back just a little bit. You can't turn yourself into a pay-per-view league because if you try to turn yourself into a pay-per-view league, everybody's walking away because there's too much scandal around it. It's too much. Uh, it's too much deception around it, and you already have people that don't trust what's going on anyway. So let me ask you this: uh, first of all, really quick question for you before I say what I'm going to say is when you say, when you're talking about the 1499 red zone add on, that's an add on to what exactly? Cause you're, you're saying that's well, not through cable. Who is that through? That's through NFL plus. And that's through 
the apps on your phone and all that stuff and streaming services. So say you have NFL Plus and you don't have cable and things like that, you can go ahead and pay the extra $14.99 for their premium and you'll be able to have your red zone and you'll have your NFL network all day. So you're paying... Pop, is that a monthly fee or is that a one-time thing? That's it. From what I saw, it was monthly. Wow, that's expensive. $15 a month. Right, but but they know you only really need the NFL network. You only need Red Zone for four months. So they can charge you pretty much a flat fee of, say, 67 But still, why do I need to pay $100 so I can have this? Uh, you're already asking me for 400 to do the uh, damn uh, Sunday ticket. And all I want to do is watch one game. It's just because my team doesn't play in this state. Now I got to pay $400. I'm literally paying for a ticket to the game. Right. You know what I mean? And this is why I keep saying this way. And this is why they feel like now, since we have our phones and everything comes so fast to the, to the phone for you to actually watch it, you want to pay something for it. But if yes. you want to watch it, watch the report and watch the, 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 the updates, then you got your phone. You can do that for free. Good point, man. Good point. Yeah. You know, let's, let's follow up on that thought. Let's take our final timeout. We'll come back, wrap wrap that thought up, and uh, let's talk to some baseball playoff races a little bit uh, right after the commercial break. <laughs> and uh, and I kind of want to do a little uh, women's world World Cup bashing because uh, it's kind of fashionable to do so nowadays. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I but I do I do want to make a comment about that. Uh, I do want to make a comment. Upset. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, straight up. It was an upset. There's, there's no other way around it. This is the team that was the favorite to win the whole thing, and they. Uh, I, I don't necessarily. I don't know. I don't like necessarily the word choked, but they did deliver. Whatever adjective you want to use, they didn't do what they are supposed to do or what they're capable of doing. We'll comment on that. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back after a quick timeout. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here with Mike and Pop. Talking a little bit of everything. You know... During our commercial break, MLB Network was about to go to their commercial break, Pop, and they were showing clips from a yesteryear, and I got nostalgic for a moment here. They showed Vince, uh, Vince Coleman going to steal second. Uh, Durham, the first baseman, throws it to Shawn Dunstan, the shortstop, to get the tag on Vince Coleman. It's a bad throw. Ryan Sandberg is backing it up. Like, think of all these legendary names I'm mentioning just in a short clip. Ended up being one of those things where the ball was thrown away and Vince Coleman was able to take third and even home on what should have been an original steal from first base. You know, and it kind of got me thinking for a moment. This season is remarkable because that clip was between the Chicago Cubs and, and the St. Louis Cardinals. And for those who don't know, Vince Coleman was a, a top-notch base stealer, an all-time base stealer, probably second or third best behind Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock in uh, in the hundreds of uh, hundred plus years of baseball. Uh, nobody's been better. And Sean Dunstan, for any Cubs fan in the '80s, they all know Sean Dunstan and uh, and and Durham and Sandberg and all these guys. But it kind of got me thinking, Pop, in that going into this year, St. Louis was one of the favorites to win their division. And the Cubs were kind of an afterthought. But hey, man, I got to give props to David Ross, former Red Sox catcher, uh, World Series champ, turned manager, well, turned broadcaster, then turned manager. And the job that these guys are doing, man, they're having fun playing baseball. I, I wouldn't have, there's no way I would have been able to say that the Cubs would be competing for a division title and that St. Louis would be out of it with a month and a half to go. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the Cubs, man? Well, I told you guys. See, people needed to watch thirty teams in thirty days. I get. I gave y'all pretty much the MLB script for the year. I told y'all if the Cubs probably had the best roster in the division, and if they would be able to get something going in the right direction, they would be right there at the top possibly winning the division. I didn't I never discounted that team. I felt like they had the 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 pitching rotation that could could stay steady and I felt like they had the lineup that had enough experience to stay intact and stay in stay in contact with the group. And that's exactly what they did. And they've won their last 15 out of 20 games. And so they're playing primetime baseball right now because they do have the players intact that can get them to the glory of winning this easy division because it was always a wide-open division. The only team that possibly didn't really have a a chance, in my opinion, at the beginning of the year, I felt like there was three teams that were going to be the the, uh, central. It was going to be Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Chicago. Well, 
St. Louis is out that group and been has been replaced by Cincinnati. I felt like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh were still a year or so away from being who they were. But as you can see, the Reds are showing their their youth, and the Pirates literally just had one really great month. And once they lost um, their star, they, it was pretty much a done deal. But O'Neill Cruz showed exactly what they're capable of doing it with him. During a for a healthy season, so they're going to be a better team next year when they add more pieces. But I really am proud of what the Cubs have done because they stay resilient, and pretty much that's because they have the veterans that have been here before, and they're not worried about losing one game here and then winning a game here. It's all about staying, trying to be above 500. And they're right on course right now to put themselves in position to snatch that final playoff spot and possibly win the Central Division. And that's absolutely amazing. It really is, man. It really is because, uh, you know, I, I, I really had a tough time believing in any kind of semblance of a pitching staff for the Cubs. But, man, how about Steele, man? That guy's been absolutely fantastic. Strowman. But he's been so – he was so good before his hip started messing with him. Strowman was fantastic this year. It was was probably a career year year for him. You know, he was really dealing, you know. And he still has those numbers, but I thought he was – he was Cy Young good for a moment there. Right. But you see, going into the season, I kind of thought like, okay, you know, you have a lot of like number three and number four starters and and nobody that's a clear-cut number one. And that usually isn't a formula for, you know, competing for a division title. But I think everybody's outpitched their expectations, kind of like a horse that outruns their odds. I think the Cubs pitching staff as a whole has, has done that. And their relief staff has gotten pretty good. And boom, before you know it, this team's got as close as, as I've seen them in a really long time. And here's the interesting stat, Bob. The only team in that central division that's got a plus run differential is the Cubs. They're plus 66 run differential. No other team is on the plus side even. So they are whooping up in terms of run differential on that division. Now, that doesn't always play out to, you know, judge a division winner because San Diego Padres have a better run differential than the Giants. But the Giants right now are a playoff team and San Diego seven games behind them. So it's not always an indicator. But for the most part, just about every single plus team is is in the running, you know, and, and should be seriously considered. Uh, the whole AL East has been in the plus side. Uh, the, finally, the Yankees are now minus one for the first time, and they are at the bottom of the division. Baltimore, man, I think they've really asserted themselves as the team to beat in the East. Every time that people think Toronto is there and, and they gave an ass-whooping to my beloved Red Sox, uh, but somehow, some way, because the Orioles have, played so well, Toronto still finds themselves seven games back of of the Orioles. Do you think the Rays have any shot? Of course they do, because they're only two and a half games out. But I'm realistic. Do you think that this team can 
get back to anything similar to what they are, the level they were playing at and make this a race all the way down to the wire? Or do you think Baltimore is just going to slowly start inching away? Um, Baltimore is not inching away from anything because Baltimore just hasn't been – the thing with Baltimore is Baltimore has been able to avoid being swept all season. They've consistently been able to not be totally embarrassed in a series. But that streak, I think, is is very close to ending because they absolutely looked – like they absolutely looked out they they looked like they still were trying to get it this week. The Astros series was a very telling series on who the Orioles truly are. They're great against their division because they have the extended uh scout report. But against everybody else that's elite in the MLB, they've had their problems because they don't have the top pitching, they have young hitters. And they don't. Their bullpen is probably the star of the team, but their that bullpen has been overtaxed a bit as well too. So I truly do feel like the Rays do have a bit of another little bit of a run in them. Your Red Sox have a run in them. The pressure's on, man. It's August, Mike. They yeah, you're winning games, but the pressure's on now. Now it's time to put your big boy pants on. Have you been here before? No, you have not. So they're not running away with anything. They are going to have to survive. I promise you that, Mike. It's about survival now with the Orioles because everybody's coming. You know, it's funny because every time I think that the Twins are about to turn the corner and run away with this thing because they are in a really weak division, both centrals are, you know, relative to like, you know, great teams are seriously lacking in that department. Right as uh, right as soon as I think Twins are turning a corner, they lose three in a row, man. Uh, you know they're still only three games above five hundred. When you don't, I guess what I'm saying is when you don't put a team away, that's dangerous. And they didn't put Cleveland away. And here's the funny thing: Cleveland did a sell-off, and they're still just as close as they were before the sell-off. So props to them, man. They could get rid of shed money and and remain just as close. I, I think that's at some point it's got to get uh, it's got to infiltrate into the the twin psyche if they're not able to put them away. Now right. you got September coming up where you have some head to head matchups. You know, you, you know Cleveland takes you know two out of three or three out of four in one of these upcoming series head to head, and boom, they're right there, man. Right, and I don't know if the, the Guardians did too much of a sell-off. They just got rid of players that weren't uh, contributing uh, to their team, and they had guys uh, that were just better than them at this point. So, literally, they just got rid of guys that were were kind of wasting their time. So, you know, the Guardians are still there. They're still sticking around and everything like that, and we all know that they're a stretch-drive team. We know that they're going to probably play their best baseball in September and have a beautiful, great month, but the Twins, to me, they got enough, man. Mike, they got enough. They just got done winning six in a row, and they lost two out of three to the Tigers, but oh well. You know what I mean? The, the Indians went out there. They, I mean, the Guardians went out there. They got swept last weekend, and they just lost the last three out of four to the Blue Jays. So they really do need to start putting it together because they're struggling right now. And for at this moment right now, 
And the Twins, you know, they didn't have a great series against the Tigers, but the Tigers have been a thorn in their side all season, but they swept the Diamondbacks, a team that was seen, it was at one point had the best record in baseball. And they literally beat them to a, a pulp this weekend. So I just truly feel that when it comes down to a head-to-head series with the Guardians and the Twins, the Twins beat them. I think the Twins, that's that's where we're going to settle the Central at, is when they have the head-to-head just like they did last year, and the Guardians won that head-to-head situation. But when we get to it in the next few weeks, or I got to check the schedule, but when they play each other again, that's going to settle the division right there. Yeah, but Pop, look. Look at the Dodgers, for example. They are now putting away teams. They went four in a row. Giants have lost. Giants have lost a couple in a row. Arizona's lost eight, eight in a row. The Padres have now lost four in a row, and they are putting teams away. But my point is not just is that's the Dodgers, but they're putting away better teams than what the Twins are dealing with. They're putting away much better teams. They've won, they're widening the gap with a blink of an eye, right? See, I can understand it if if the Rangers can't put away the Astros. That makes sense because Astros are really good. That should be neck and neck all the way to the end. So I don't expect the Rangers to put them away. But the Twins should be putting away Indians, Guardians, anything that is below them is inferior. And they're not doing it. And I'm just saying it's a dangerous place to be. That's all. Dangerous place to be. Because let me, let me, one, more, one more thing. Let me remind you of the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. Right, they weren't even considered to be a playoff team, and they had a ridiculous September, and they rolled that all the way to winning the World Series as a wild card team. You know, so September, a lot of things can happen, and if you haven't put some distance, where you have a little bit of breathing room, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Tough, tough sledding for the Twins. That, that's all I'm saying. Well, I just feel like what you just said, you said the Rangers and Astros, they should be going head-to-head all season. The Astros are about to catch them and beat them by three games. Now, with these two teams, I'm not surprised that they're they're at each other's throat right now and they can't get rid of each other because it was always a bad division. It was never a good division. But the Twins have stayed steady at the top of this bad division. So I feel like they enough to where it's going to be okay. They have the better pitching. They have well, the better. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We're going to have to wrap it up right here, right now. Pop, thank you. As always, we always run out of time because uh, we love talking about this stuff. We're passionate about this stuff. Thank you to Voice America and the entire team. And most of all, thank you to you, the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all, same time, same place, next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.